If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. That's where we're going to be today. We're in this series called Asking for a Friend. And you know what's an important series? It's interesting how, how the Lord's using it. I just want you to know what happened this week. We had a young man, I had a young man call me through or email through the website and say, hey, I've got some questions. And he came to see me on Wednesday. And, and, um, and as he was just wrestling through his own questions, his own heart, uh, we were sitting in my office and, and uh, he goes, I just want to know, is God real? And I've just, he goes, he goes, in my life, I was forced to go to church and, 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 and he goes, I just want to know, is, is God real? And, and, you know, he said, as we were processing his questions, his heart, um, we just kind of walked through what the, what the Bible says about, about life. What, we just kind of looked at why it makes sense to believe in God. And, and as we're sitting there in my office on Wednesday, he's like, I, I, I told him about the cross and what Jesus did. He was like, I, I need that. And right there in my office, he prayed to receive Christ. And, and, uh, and then he goes home, and he, he's a father of four. He has four kids under four. Now, if you've ever been like, that, no wonder he needs to pray. He needs Jesus. He knows that. I mean, you have four kids under four. But, um, but he... Um, he goes home, he sends me a text message. He goes, man, I told my wife what just happened in my life. She wants to come to Christ too. And, 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 and so, man, uh, we, we both want to come to Jesus. It was just a cool day. And, and you know, this morning, we're going to continue with some of these questions. And, and the question that really drove him was what we dealt with a, a week ago, what's my purpose in life? And, and today, what we're going to ask, and, and I get a lot of people asking this question can I really trust the Bible? I mean, we have the Bible, and every week we, we turn our face to what, what the Bible says, and, and I think it's a relevant question. Can you really trust the Bible? That's kind of where we are today. Uh, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Stand with me, and let's, let's stand together in honor of reading God's Word, and, and uh, let's look at what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3. We're going to start in verse 14, and we're going to look through verse uh, 17. It says this, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And this is the word of the Lord right here. Thank you. Maybe see you now. Now, you know what? I, 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 this passage is so important. Now, let me give you some context of this passage. This was a, a letter, a passage of Scripture written by Paul to Timothy. Timothy was the pastor. He was a pastor, and he was, he was discipled by Paul. He was young. He was a young guy. Probably, I think he's a lot like Misael. He was younger. You know, I'm growing my beard a little bit, and, and, and I don't know if you can see it from there, but it's, it's really gray right now. I'm, I'm older. And, uh, and then, you know, Misael, he cracked me up the other day. He goes, Chris, look, I have one gray hair. And he showed me one little hair. I said, don't pull it out. It'll, it'll multiply. But, um, but, but, you know, Paul is, is writing this letter to Timothy. And he's pointing to Timothy how valuable the word of God is. 
Now, for us as a church, one of our values as a church is that, is that we believe God's word is, uh, is the authority for what we think. It's an authority for how we live. And this is how we see the word of God. When I think, we study the Bible because um, to know God and his truth, and, and, and this is how we come to know God. We, we, we look at the truth that he's revealed, and, and we understand that, that to, to hear the word of God and to understand the word of God, we can make direct application to our lives. And like I've heard some people go, is the Bible even relevant today? I'm like, dude, have you read it? Because, because it's so very relevant to our day. And, and, and you know, when, when I think about a, a, an important view of Scripture, God, when, when we understand what the, what the Bible is, we can, and we, we come to know Christ, that's what Austin did. He, he came to know Christ. And I said to him, Austin, because now the Holy Spirit is in your life, you know what you're going to be able to do now? You're going to be able to understand the message of the Bible. You're, you're going to also be moved to obey the message of the Bible. And, and, and as he, because he came to know Christ as his Savior, he'll be able to fulfill the calling that we see in the Bible. And I just want you to know the Bible is incredibly relevant. So what I want us to do is kind of look at it and, and understand and try to answer this question, why can we trust it? Why can you trust this to be the very word of God? Well, look at verse 14. Paul is trying to help Timothy understand this. He says, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. So Timothy grew up with some people in his life that, that really walked with the Lord, that understood the, the, the Old Testament. Now, they didn't have the New Testament then. These letters, like we're looking at Paul's letter to Timothy, he's writing it, and he's pointing to the power of the Old Testament, the, the prophets that, were, that had spoken. And, and, um, and he's like, look, Timothy, you can trust the Bible. You can trust. Now, it wasn't the actual... Bible that we hold in our hands right here, this, these 66 books, it was the Old Testament law, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, the, the prophets that were spoken. What Paul is doing, he's going, look, Timothy, you can look back at the, the children of Israel and the, and the word that was preserved. And, and, you know, now here's what we have. We can look, we, we have a more complete record of, of God to the world because now we have the New Testament. At the time of Timothy, the, the New Testament was being written. Paul was writing these letters. Now, they had already uh, been exposed to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and the disciples were like hanging out then, and, and Peter was, was around. And, and it's interesting how, how the word of God has been preserved. But, but he says to Timothy, look, I want you to know how from childhood, look at verse 15, how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, that there have been sacred writings that were given. And, 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 and when you look at what the Bible does for us, it gives us some insight right here in verse 15. He says, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And he, and he said, Timothy, I want you to recognize what Isaiah said. I want you to recognize what Zechariah said. I want you to recognize what Moses wrote down. 
goes, because you know what this does? It makes you wise for life. It makes you wise for salvation in Christ. Because when you really look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament is an incredible, when you really study what the Old Testament says, it points to Jesus. The whole thing points to Jesus. It points to the fact that there's a Savior coming. And, and, and Paul's looking at Timothy going, look, you can trust what God has said and what God has done. Now, here's what we know about the Bible. Point number one is this. And, you gotta, and I'm going to give you some data, and so if you're taking notes, it might be helpful. But, um, but number one is the Bible is a unique collection of books. It's kind of unique. The Bible's not just one book. It's a collection of books. And, 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 and there's two very important things to understand about the Bible. The first is this. The Bible is revelation. It, it's, a, it, it's a revelation of God. And revelation means it's this act of this dramatic disclosure. Now, now all of us can, like, like Robin and I, we were... Uh, driving the other day, and we looked up in the sky and thought, man, that's really a beautiful sky. She said that. That's a beautiful sky. And, uh, and, and you know, we can look up into the stars and the skies and go, man, that's, there's a creator. You know, I'm, I don't know. I've, I've, been on the, I've done stuff on the 4th of July. How many of you pop fireworks on the 4th of July, right? Have you ever put a firework in something and blew something up, like those M80s things, you know? Uh, there's never been a time I've blown something up and thought, oh, how orderly. Oh, that, that's, oh, that, that really came together perfectly. No. When you blow something up, it's like, it's destroyed, right? Well, it's interesting. When you look at the universe, there's order. There's, there's design. And see, that's called general revelation, that generally God has revealed himself to humanity, like, like my son-in-law is in optometry school, and he's studying the eye. Now, um, most, a lot of doctors that I've known, that when they started studying the eye, they're like, okay, there's a God. Because it makes no sense that the eyeball, do you know that every eyeball is unique? And they can determine your unique identity by looking at your eyeball? It's fascinating. But just how the eyeball works, you're like, okay, there ain't no way there was an explosion and all of a sudden the eyeball works, right? Generally, God has revealed himself. But do you know what? Not just generally did God reveal himself, he revealed himself specifically. Um, he, he gave us specific details about himself. Like, like I know this is going to surprise you, okay? Uh, I know you look at me and you go, you're just an athlete, right? I know all of you thought that today probably. Uh, maybe not. But, but I want you to know something about me. I can't jump. Is that a surprise to anybody in the room? I, I just want to reveal that to you. I, I cannot jump. Uh, and I have proof of this. I have, I have two marks on my body proving that I can't jump. I'm not going to show you, but, but if I was wearing shorts today, you would notice if you looked closely, I have two scars on my shins that are perfect little smiley faces, proving that I can't jump. Because several years ago, I was, um, I was a youth minister in Oklahoma City, and, and uh, we were working on this deal. Uh, we were having a big weekend, is what we called it, and, and uh, it, we were just working our tails off. And, and uh, uh, a young man that I would hired walked into the auditorium, and he walked up to the stage, and he did a box jump up on the stage. 
And, uh, and Taylor, you, know, you can do a box jump, all right? You probably can. Uh, uh, but so, so he basically stood next to the stage, and he just jumped and landed on the stage. And I said, I can do that. And he goes, wall, don't, don't do it. And then I'm offended. I'm like, what? And then I said the famous words of a redneck, the last words of a redneck are this, watch this. So I said that. And I, I was like, I took my stuff out of my pocket. I had sweats on. And, and I walked up to that deal. And I, boy, like a gazelle, I leapt into the air. And I made it, sort of. Um, because when my, my feet, my, my toes hit the edge of the stage, and when I went to stand up, they slipped off. And both of my shins hit the corner of the stage. There was a metal bar there. And I, uh, I, I, I hit the ground. I didn't fall, but I started jumping around, and I said, yikes. That's all I said. It was a work of God. That's all that came out of my mouth was yikes. Okay? And so I was walking around. I was like, he's like, oh, I told you not to do it. I said, like, no, I'm okay. I just got to walk it off. I just got to walk it off. And so I was walking around, and, and then I, I, I lifted up. My assistant was there, and I said, uh, whoa, I feel something on my legs. And then I, I lifted it up, and I was like, oh. Oh, and I so showed my assistant, I said, Beth, do you have a Band-Aid? And I lifted up my, my pant leg, and she goes, you're going to need more than a Band-Aid. And I drove to the, the urgent care. And uh, so I get to the urgent care, and uh, the guy comes in, I checked in, everything. The, the guy comes in to look at it, and he goes, I'm sorry, Mr. Wall, I can't do that. That's too bad. You've got to go to the ER. And so I d- drove myself again to the ER, called Robin, and uh, and I get eight stitches in each shin, uh, which was outstanding. And then I'm sitting there, and, and Robin looks at me, and she's like, what were you thinking? And I was like, honey. And, she, and she, she just sees my face, and she goes, you better not ever try that again. Because she could see I was going, I think I can still do that. And, and she was like, no. Okay, so, you know, that's, the fact that I can't jump is special revelation to you, right? It's specific knowledge. That's a little bit of a silly story to just help you see that the Bible is a special revelation. It reveals specific details about God to humanity. And, and I'll tell you what, we needed special revelation. And, and, and we needed to know the, the specific things. And, and when you look at the Bible, he says to Timothy, look, Timothy, These things are trustworthy because they are specific things about God that you needed to know. And I want you to know something. God loves you so much that he intentionally revealed specific things about himself so you could know him, so you could walk with him, so you could know the way to eternal life. Let me tell you something. This has been a little bit of a challenging week in the life of our church. I did a funeral on a good week, but a challenging week. I did a funeral on Friday of a, of a sweet lady in our church. I've got another funeral on Wednesday of a, of a man who died. And you know what the Bible reveals? Specific information about the path to eternal life. So this is specific. The, the Bible is also inspirational. It's revelation, but it's also inspiration. And this is very important to understand, that God used human instruments to write down his word. He used 
prophets in the, of old. And, and he used Moses of old. He, God was so faithful to come in and reveal himself specifically to human instruments that were able to write down what God has said. So when we talk about the scriptures, we see it both as revelation of God. We also recognize that it's been inspired by God. And this, this passage specifically says that, that scripture is inspired. It, it, and, and how much of it is inspired? All of it is inspired. And, and God is the one who initiated it, it all. Now, when you think about the Bible, it's a unique collection of books. It's it contains 66 separate books. Here's, some, here's just some facts that I think are interesting. The Bible contains 66 separate books written in three languages, extending over 1,000 years by 40 authors on three continents, covering incredibly controversial subjects with incredible unity. And that's interesting about the Bible. Now look at verse 16. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Now that's the, that's the revelation, the inspiration. It's breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete. Equipped for every good work. Now, a second thing about the Bible I think it's important to understand not only the Bible is a unique collection of books, but the Bible is also the historical claims. The historical claims and influence of the Bible is uniquely compelling. So it's not only a unique collection, it's uniquely compelling. Well, like it's interesting as you think about the Bible, and let me give you some verses to write down that, uh, that the Bible says about itself. The, if, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, these are the very words of God. Um, Luke 16.29 and 31, Luke 16.29 and 31 say, this is all we need to know God. So very interesting. Uh, Proverbs 6.23 says that, that Proverbs 6.23, this is the perfect perfect guide for life. The Bible is the perfect guide for life. Proverbs 30, 5 and 6, it's, it, it's, it's the law of God. Um, Psalm 19, 7. Psalm 19 is a really cool chapter that deals with the, the influence of the word of God. Psalm 19, 7 says that his word is perfect. Psalm 19, 10 says it's precious. So it's perfect, it's precious. Hebrews 4.12 says it's powerful. Hebrews 4.12 talks about the power of the word of God. And you know what? It's so very important for us to turn our face to it. And I want to challenge you, if you've never really looked at the Bible, you should. Consider it. Because the Bible is not only a unique collection of books, multiple books, it's uniquely compelling when you think about it. Now, um, I want you to know this about the Bible. A third thing about the Bible, trusting the Bible, is undeniably rational. Now, let's think about this. 
I just want to propose to you and, and, and for some of you remind you that it is completely rational to believe the Bible. A lot of people look at Christians and go, you, just got, you guys have this blind faith. No, I, I, there's a lot of reasons why I believe in Jesus. Actually, it's, it's rational to believe in Jesus. You know, we have this thing called the Baptist Faith and Message that is a, it's a, it's a confessional that we stand on as a, we're, we're a Southern Baptist church. And, and as a Southern Baptist church, we hold to this, this set of beliefs that's written down. And, um, and, and I would love for you, I want you to know about it because the Baptist Faith and Message is a confessional statement. And uh, an article one of that confessional statement says this, and, and uh, you could Google it. It's in Spanish. It's in English. It's on the website. Uh, uh, of, and so you could Google Baptist faith and message and find it. But article one talks about the scriptures, and here's what it says. The Holy, Holy Bible was written by men, but divinely inspired, and is God's revelation of himself to man. It's a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us, and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All scripture is a testimony to Christ, who himself is the focus of divine revelation. Now, now that's, a, that's a formal statement, a fancy statement, but it's an important statement to, to just really consider. And if I'm going to summarize it, it's this. The Bible is God's revelation of himself. Because God loves you. He sees you. He wants you to know him. And this is what God has done. And I, I think about all the people who are living their lives not knowing God. It's why I, I, I'm grateful that God has put us here. I'm grateful that God has allowed us to, to be here in this, in this community, in this city, helping people see who Christ is and what he's done. And, and I just want you to understand, I, I trust the Bible. Why? Well, let me give you a couple of quick reasons. Number one is the Bible's historical. This is not like uh, Cinderella or some show on Disney, Star Wars, that's been made up. No, the Bible is, is based in history. Like we can look, and, and that's, that's a big deal, right? If I said to you, hey, um, Abraham Lincoln was the first president of the United States, how many of you would believe me? I'm glad. Why? Because who was the first president of the United States? You know why we know that? History. History was, tells us that. Well, let's understand about the Bible. The Bible is based, it's, it's, in, it's a historical record. And so, see, what's interesting is you think about, uh, about the Bible, this, there, are, there were eyewitness testimonies. And you know, when you really look at history, I'll just throw out some names, and you can do the research on your own, but, but Clement of Rome, he was a guy that lived in AD 95, 
Clement of Rome, he, he took up the epistle of Paul, the, the letters that Paul wrote, and, 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 and he remembered, he says, look, uh, Paul gave us these letters, this letter to Timothy. In A.D. 95, Clement of Rome pointed to these New Testament books. And so a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, the Bible was gathered in like 400 A.D., 400 years after Jesus' death. Now, that is true. They combined all of them together in, in around 400 and, and bound them together and put them together in this. But, but you got to realize uh, when Jesus was walking around the, the whole printing press, and that didn't exist, right? They were writing on scrolls, and, and it was a different system. And, and you know, here's the thing. Um, when you look at the Bible, when you look at what God's Word says, the Bible's historical. The Bible is based in history. And, and Clement of Rome says, I remember Paul. There's another guy, Polycarp, in A.D. 110. Uh, he knew the apostle John personally. He writes about it in, in 110, A.D. 110. He's like, I knew John. John was the one that, and I love John. He's my favorite disciple. You know why? Because John never left the side of Jesus. When all the disciples ran, John stayed. John's the one that wrote the book of Revelation. In A.D. 110, Polycarp goes, I knew that guy. You know, what's interesting is you look at history. Uh, there's another guy, one more, uh, Papias, in A.D. 125. Um, he, he's, he also said, look, I, I heard John preach. I heard John preach. And so I want you to recognize that history points to the fact that the Bible makes sense. And these are not... Uh, people that are just trying to promote a lie about Jesus. No, these are, these are historical uh, records that people look back and go, well, man, Jesus was here. Uh, no one disputes the fact that there was a man named Jesus who walked the earth, who people believed him as God. He let people worship him as God. And then he died, and no one could find his body. Why? Because he, he rose from the dead. Let me tell you something. It makes sense. The Bible is historical. That's one of the reasons I believe it. That's one of the reasons I want the world to know what God said through his word. The Bible's historical. And you know, another, a second reason that I believe the Bible, that the Bible was copied reliably. When you really understand how the Bible was copied, like it's one thing today because we have... Um, we have the, the ability to manipulate documents, right? We, we can't even tell if a video is true anymore. Have you seen those videos that they can make someone's mouth move and, and you're like, I don't even know if that's true. You realize that that technology didn't exist when Jesus was hanging around? And, and you know, it, it, the, the Galatians 4.4 is interesting because it says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent a son born of a woman born under the law. And it was the perfect time for Jesus to enter human history, for God to enter, enter the world. Well, you know what? One of the reasons that makes so much sense is because they wrote the scriptures on these massive scrolls. Let me tell you something. It's pretty hard to cut and paste on those bad boys, right? And, and when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls in, in about the 40s or 50s, 
in, in the Qumran community, they found these ancient scrolls. And historians got them out and they started studying them. And it was one of the, the greatest archaeological finds. These secular historians were like, man, those are pretty accurate when it comes to the way things were copied. You know, we sometimes think about the copying of Scripture, and we have a, a 2022 view of that. But I'll tell you, you've got to really understand how ancient people copied sacred writings. And I'm telling you, they, there were some people that it was their entire life's work to copy one scroll. And they were, they, when they put their name on it, it had to be perfect. One of my friends who's a, a college professor, he teaches ancient writings, and he gives an assignment, and he sets up a room at his, at his university, and he says to the, his students, he says, uh, uh, you've got to go up here and you've got to transcribe in the ancient languages uh, the text. And he goes, it's a group assignment, and it's in low light because it's a candlelight. He sets the stage as the, the original copiers uh, would write. And, and he says to the class, he goes, I want you to know if there are any mistakes, your whole class fails for this semester. I think you're talking about pressure. And, and, and he goes, you're gonna f I'm going to fail you if, you if you make a mistake. And what he's trying to do is not be a jerk. He's trying to make his class feel the weight that these ancient copiers felt. I want you to know, if you really studied the way the Bible was copied, you'll discover really quickly it was copied reliably. Another reason why I believe the Bible, it's uncomfortably honest. When you look at the message of the Bible, it doesn't hide anything. When you look at the, like, like if I was going to make something up, I would make myself look better, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? It's like Facebook. What is Facebook? It's everybody's highlight reel. Most of it's not true, right? Most of it is how they want you to see it, you know? And if you watch a teenager post an Instagram post, you realize they're going, I've got to stage this bad boy. And uh, I've got to make my hair look, my, is my hair right? Is my... Do I, have any, do I have a booger in my nose? Or, you know, and, and when you think about the Bible, it shows lots of boogers. It, that's terrible, right? That's a bad analogy. It's uncomfortably honest. Like David. David's story. Man, David, it's so very honest when you look at his story. You see all their failures. Peter's story. Man, you recognize Peter's failures. And, and I'll tell you, when you think about the Bible, it is so uncomfortably honest. It causes me to go, I believe it. Another thing of the Bible, about the Bible, and this is one of the reasons why I believe it. The Bible is full of fulfilled prophecies. Let's think about it. These guys that wrote the Bible, man, they got these messages from and these messages, um, they were like, they didn't understand. Like, like Isaiah, Isaiah 53, he gets this message from God. He'll be pierced for our transgressions. He'll be crushed for our iniquities. 
the punishment that brought us peace will be on him. And by his wounds, you'll be healed. I can imagine Isaiah going, God, I don't get it. But I know this is from you. And he wrote it down 750 years before Jesus entered the world. And you know what happened? You know what happened? God entered the world in a human form in a miraculous way. He was born of a virgin. Remember the Magi? They were, they were reading the old text. They were, they were looking at the stars going, look, uh, Jesus is supposed to come. The Messiah is supposed to come. They didn't know his name was Jesus. The Messiah was supposed to come. They were looking. And then he lived this life. And this morning in my quiet time, I read about John 10. I read John 10. And these, these people that heard him teach, they, they were like, you, you say you're the Christ. And Jesus was like, look at what I do. Look at my actions. You'll see that I am who I said I am. But, but they struggled to believe it. And I can kind of understand because, you know, when you're watching history take place, it sometimes takes a minute for you to realize, oh my goodness, this is history unfolding right in front of my eyes. But then he, Jesus, went to the cross. And like Isaiah said, he was pierced. Why? For your transgression. Body, bruised and beaten for your iniquities. The punishment that brings you and I peace was on him. And by those wounds, that's when you're healed. You know what? I was with Austin Wednesday. I started talking about Jesus. I started talking about what he did. And Austin, you're a sinner. You need a Savior. Austin, you, you have this tendency to rebel against God. And, but, but can I tell you some good news? Jesus came to die for you. And, and he was like, man. And right in front of my eyes, I saw peace. After he came to know Christ as his Savior, peace was just in his face. Let me tell you something. There is hope in Christ. And you know what? If you come to him, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, Jesus will save you. Let me tell you something. It's not just, this is not Cinderella book is not Cinderella or Star Wars. This book is a historical revelation of the master of this whole place. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he sees you and loves you. And he died for you. Let me tell you something, it makes sense to look at Jesus. It makes sense to come to Jesus. Wednesday, I'm going to stand and preach the funeral of a guy that I love. And he drew his last breath just a few days ago. And you know what? That's a door every one of us will open. And can I tell you the hope that Jesus gives to you? That if you come to him, 
you'll have the same peace that Jim had when he drew his last breath. In fact, you know what he said to me right before, right before he couldn't talk anymore? He said, Chris, I'm ready. I'm ready. He goes, you know what I get to do? I get to see Jesus this week. The doctor said to him, he met with him, he said, Mr. Coley, I got some bad news. He goes, there's nothing else we can do. You know what Jim said? Oh, Doc, you know what that means? That means I get to see Jesus. Oh, my goodness. I go to the hospital and try to encourage Jim. Man, that man encouraged me. Let me tell you something. The hope we have in Christ is everything. Oh, come to Jesus. Serve him. Look into the Word of God. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Find out for yourself. God is who He says He is. He will do everything He says He'll do. And you can trust Him. Don't ever forget that. I want you to come. We have an invitation. Maybe you're here today and you need Christ. That's, that's why this church is here. That's why we're, we made sure, man, the gospel will continue to be proclaimed in Abner. People need, need the Lord. And so we're going to have an invitation. Maybe you need to pray with somebody. Maybe you need to get on your knees and come and pray. Maybe you need to come to me or somebody and say, you know what, I need Christ. Let us help you. Would you stand where you are? Would you everybody stand with me? Lord Jesus, I love you. And I thank you for the power of your word. And I pray that your Holy Spirit moves in this place today. Father, there may be some here that they're, they're wondering if you can be trusted. I pray that in this moment, you, Lord Jesus, will open their hearts and their eyes and their minds. Lord, we love you. We trust you. Would you move us now? Lead us, Lord, in Jesus' name.